0: Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. True faith is discovered in the midst of painful trials. The things that seek to derail our faith are actually the things that deepen it. This radical faith is not a feeling or a philosophy. It is practical, visible, built over time, strengthened in a trial, and sustained by discipline. James paints this picture of faith and gives us the principles necessary to produce it in us all.
1: Aren't you glad to be here tonight? Amen. All right, no, no recap, no preamble. Go to James chapter 3. If you want to know what was said in parts one and two, you can go down to the app and you can listen to that. But let's just dive into the word tonight. Who's ready? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on. James chapter 3. I'm just going to read the whole chapter again, okay? If I read 26 verses last week, I can read 18 tonight. James chapter 1. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. disorder and every evil practice but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere peacekeepers peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness and boom James smacks us right in the head once again I mean, I know one of the most intimidating things about the Bible is we can read it sometimes and have no idea what we just read. That is not the case with James. When you read James, and it's why I like James, I can relate to James. When you read James, you walk away without any real question about what he has just said to us. And James just clearly articulated that our words have weight. Our words have weight. And, like, and he's, saying, he's saying, hey, just in case you misunderstood what I said in chapter 2, I want you to know that your words matter. Because remember, in chapter 2, he calls us out. He says, you, you, you say you have faith, but you have no real actions to support what you're saying. It's like some of us say we have faith. Well, you say that you have faith, I'm going to show it. You say you love Jesus in, in what you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it in what I do. And, and, and more specifically, I'm going to show you I have faith in the way that I love other people. Because the truest test of your faith will always be in your treatment of other people. That not in all the boxes and all the things that you check and not all the things that we've usually measured faith by. But your t- the truest test of your faith is measured by the target of your love. That if you're selective in your love, you're not sincere in your faith. That means when you love the different and the difficult, you really follow Jesus the way Jesus wanted you to follow him. But what you need to know is, yeah, your actions matter, but so do your words. See, like, don't, like, James is very, like, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, because it's really easy to think, oh, also, oh, we elevate the value of our actions over the value of our words. And that's not, and James is, 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 is kind of autocorrect a little bit, just so you know, that your, your words and your actions are equally important. That what you do matters, but what you say matters just as much. Why? Because your words have weight. What you say matters. What you say has an impact. The words that you use and the manner in which you use them and the people that are the target of them, it matters. And of course, he hits me right between the eyes right in the very first verse. Like those of us that teach, those of us that have the responsibility of standing before people and teach the word of God need to take it seriously. Because when we are standing, articulating the truth of God, God is paying particular attention to how you are representing him. But also, don't don't be mistaken. That verse is not just for people that sit in my seat. Because I I would venture to bet. That every one of us have someone in our circle of influence who we are teaching the truth of God to in some manner. Parents, you have a responsibility to teach the truth of God to your children. Oh, I don't have kids. You have somebody who knows you are a believer and they're looking for you to under looking to you to understand the truth of God and you're giving opportunity given opportunity day in and day out to speak the truth of God. So don't think just because you, oh I'm not a preacher that, that that verse doesn't apply to me. If you're a follower of Jesus and people know it and you obviously get asked questions and you get opportunities to speak the truth of God, you better be careful what you're saying because it matters our words have weight and I don't know I wonder if we're just if we're beginning to forget this in our culture because words are everywhere and I wonder because words are so prevalent that maybe we sometimes forget about the weight that they carry and we can even use words and not even really understand the impact they're having on other people because we have so many mediums where we can get keyboard courage. Now, remember when James is writing this and he's talking about the weight of words, your, your means of communication were very limited. I mean... This was before a lot of the things. Basically, you had the ability to speak words and write them on a piece of paper. And even then, you wrote a letter. It was taking three years just to get somewhere because there was not a post office. There was no drones like Amazon dropping packages off at people's house. Like, you could say, and, and so, like, and when you, would, when you would get opportunities to speak to people that maybe you wouldn't see for a while, you would be very measured in what you said because you know that you may not see them maybe for months or years at a time. But, and, 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 and now words are everywhere. And it hasn't always been like that. And some of us know that. Like, like, like none of us, though, were are I don't think anybody's this old. But like, we've all been at least around for the telephone. Not the cell phone. The telephone. <laughs> it used to be this thing that plugged into the wall in your house. And some of us remember the days of rotary phones. <laughs> Took you 15 minutes to dial one person's number. By the time you got through, you forgot why you even called them anyway. Because you've been standing there, dial- Some, come on, testify, somebody. Like, you remember that day. And then, like, you remember also the day only the bougie rich people had cordless phones. Like, you could go to, my grandma had this phone in her kitchen that hung on the wall, a rotary phone, and had the 17 mile cord. <laughs> remember that? phone was in the kitchen you could walk into the bathroom into the garage into the backyard like you could walk everywhere and before you know it you done wrapped up three of the kids the dog and two dining room chairs because you just walk someone come on like you remember those days and like if somebody was on the phone they was only the people on the phone and you used to get so mad like get off the phone my girlfriend was supposed to call me you've been on that phone for three hours then they invented call waiting has the phone beeped? <laughs> You've been on the phone for two hours. I know it's beeped. It, did it beep? You know it beeped. Answer the beep. And then when I was in high school, everybody started getting pagers. Again, you were not a doctor or a drug dealer. You did not need a pager, but you had one. <laughs> and, like, it was it was real. Like, all it had was numbers. So y'all remember, y'all come up with Codes. Like certain codes meant certain things, like 784, she loved me, that's sweet, isn't that awesome? (laughs) Right, y'all remember those, like, remember those, and then like things just started to evolve, and then, like, you remember the first cell phone you had? It was like $10 a month, and $17 a minute, unless you called after 9 (laughs) o'clock, or the weekends. You had your little Motorola brick phone looking like Zach Morris walking around the house. But now, just think about all the mediums in which we can use words. All the places we can text and post. And, and now, like, we can use words and, 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 and say things and, and forget how the impact they really have because we don't watch their face when they read what you posted. You don't see the tears coming down their face misunderstanding the text that you sent and even now like communication gets lost because in a text you can't hear tone in an email you can't read body language and so we jump to conclusions and we assume and we get anxiety and all these things begin to happen and now it's like people have such courage that 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 you'll post things about people you would never say to their face how about this how about if you won't say that to them, don't post it about them? And can I give you some words of advice? Never lose sleep over what people will say about you, but don't have the courage to say to you. Words have weight. And we live in this culture now, too, We're like we're going to these places to see what people said about us and trying to find our value in them and we're, we're searching and this stuff is everywhere and I hear certain generations dismiss it I'm like well no, don't care about what they posted about you don't care about what they said about you but can we, can we just be honest words matter words have weight and I know there used to be this little stupid saying that people would say and I don't know who made it up Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will crush your spirit. Because, see, I think that's a more accurate line than the other one we used to say. Because if we're honest, we realize that words have the power to inflict wounds. Words have the power to inflict wounds. Can we just be honest? Some of, some of us, our deepest wounds are the result of someone else's words. Our deepest wounds are the result of someone else's words. But yet, words have weight, but words are weightier depending on from whom they come. And there have been people in our lives... That were supposed to be the people that encouraged us and built us up and loved us and said the right things to us. And it's from their very mouths that have come the things that have degraded us and devalued us and tore us down and ripped us apart. And it has left a wound that for some people you've been carrying around for decades. Words can inflict wounds. And some of us, we've been on that side of it. We've been on, on the side where people have said those things. And like, like you can still hear it. Like it still echoes in your own mind. when You can even remember where you were and where they were and what they said. And maybe what they were wearing and the place that you were standing. When they said that very specific thing at that moment, at that time. When you needed to hear the opposite so desperately. And all they came with was something that tore you down once again. And it was repeated and repeated and repeated. And you know what? At some point you just began to believe it. And some of us, we know how to weaponize our words. And we would never physically touch anybody, but we will assault you with your words. I'm good at words. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I can talk. I can use words. And there have been moments in my life in times of anger or frustration or whatever, I've let it get the best of me, and I've said some really horrible things to some of the people that I'm supposed to love the most. I've said things to my wife that I am ashamed of. I've said things to my kids that if you'd have heard me, you would think I'm not worthy to be your pastor. Words have weight. Words can inflict wounds. And can we be honest? Words can incite wars. There are families that are at war right now over some things that are being said. And you walk into Thanksgiving on eggshells wondering who's going to say the wrong thing this year, and the whole thing's going to come crashing down. And James even uses this really deep level, like, like illustrations in his own terms. He talks about, hey, hey, there's there's two means of transportation, too, in his day. On land it was a horse, and by sea it was a boat. And then he says, hey guys, have you ever noticed that this horse, this big, huge, majestic animal that weighs hundreds of pounds, all you have to do is stick a little bit in its mouth, and you can control and manipulate that animal to go whatever direction you want to go. Or think about a ship. These big, huge ships that take cargo and people all these places, those things are so big, but just with a little, small rudder, you can guide it and turn it and manipulate it whatever direction that you want to go. And he's saying, that's the way your tongue is. That you can use your mouth to manipulate and steer and change direction of the lives of the people that you come in contact with on a daily basis. Words And now it's easy to kind of stop there and just kind of examine your life and be like, well, I, I very rarely say anything mean to people. I very rarely, you know, am, am, am I hateful. I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff. But, but you know what? Let's just be honest. It's more than just about those moments when your words are targeted toward another. But what about the other times we use words in a really dangerous and negative way? When everything that comes out is negative and complaining. And no, we're not targeting anybody or tearing anybody down, but we're just constantly speaking negative about everybody and everything and all this, and we just constantly just are complaining and critical. Or maybe there's, there's not often many times when somebody else is the target of your negative words. Maybe there's a lot of times when you are the target of those negative words. What about the things that you say to you? What about the words you use on yourself? Or what about the times when you gossip? And can I give you another little nugget? Whenever you speak from a position of ignorance, you can never say anything very valuable. That might be the best thing I've said in years whenever you speak from a position of ignorance, you cannot say anything of value. So you don't know them. You don't know the situation. You don't know what really happened. You weren't there. You didn't see it. So stop spreading it. Stop posting it. Stop commenting on it. Stop thinking you are the world's Moral police at times. Stop thinking you have to engage in every single argument that you see on Facebook. Some of y'all, what you need to do in order to get control of your words is you need just to delete Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat off your phone. No, you just need, on your way home, you need to throw your phone out the window. Go get you a flip phone tomorrow. Just stop. Just eliminate the means. Because words have weight. And you know what? Maybe you're not the one... Say in the gossip, maybe you're the one entertaining it and allowing it to be said in the first place. And you're just as complicit in the situation. Words have weight. But you know what? The opposite is true too. Yeah, words can inflict wounds and words can, can incite wars. But, but Paul would remind us that words can also be very useful and powerful. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Like, hey, you words can be used for evil, but they can also be used for good. That words are weighty and they can be used to inflict wounds and incite wars, but they can also be used to initiate healing. That the, the right encouragement at the right time in the right moment can start to piece back together someone's broken heart. That when you have the courage to speak hope and life and truth into people's hearts, just, just words can do, words have that kind of, yeah, they have the power to tear down, but they also have the power to build up. You know, one of the most difficult things that Ashley and I ever went through were the two miscarriages that we experienced before Aiden and Leah were born. It broke our hearts. And you know what heals it? A little bit every time is when I hear one of my kids say, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Hear around my kid, Like, like I, I, I overly tell my kids I love them. Like, I know those three words are being thrown around all over our culture. Now, you got fifth graders telling their girlfriend they love you. You don't love nobody. Shut up. You in the fifth grade. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Talking about I love you. Shut up. But you know what? I tell my kids I love them all the time. And yeah, I try to show them, but you know what? When their head hits the pillow every night, they're never going to doubt for a second if their daddy loves them or not. And I'm going to say it. And it's got to the point where like, we'll just be riding down the road. And my kids, especially my son, because it's just how affectionate he is, he'll just look at me, Dad, I, lo- I love you. I love you, Dad. And every time I hear that, a little piece that was broken by what I went through in the past gets healed and moves me towards my future. Words can initiate healing, words can inspire hope. There's people in this room that have been told their whole life they would never be anything, they would never amount to anything, they're gonna be a loser just like their father, a loser just like their mother, they're gonna be this. And every time somebody speaks purpose and potential and hope into their lives, they actually believe that their past doesn't have to be their future when you speak it into their lives, speak hope. Words have weight and we have to pay attention to how powerful they are. And it's so easy to get kind of caught up in it and and not realize how weighty they are. And and even things like, you know, know, know the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. And so so I think maybe if there's spiritual gifts, there's unspiritual gifts. Anybody got any unspiritual gifts? I have the unspiritual gift of sarcasm. <laughs> and it's just natural about me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm super sarcastic, and, and I kid, and I cut up, and all that kind of stuff. And I know it's easy to sit there, Matt, like, like, really? Like, I understand all this other stuff, but that, but you know what? I have a really good job at being sarcastic at the wrong time. Can I be, it happened about 45 minutes ago. Right before worship, when I said something I shouldn't have said. And it had an impact on somebody that I love and I care about. And I'm thinking, great, Matt, You're about to go preach this message, idiot. You about, and you just said that. Because sometimes your good intentions can't make up for wrong timing. And here's the depressing thing. James says that you can't fix it. Did you know what he said? He said, like, Humans can tame a tiger, but you can't tame your own tongue. Like, humans have managed to tame animals and birds and sea creatures and all these things, but you can't get control of your mouth. It is untameable. That's essentially what he says. So what do we do? Like, so how do we begin to start getting a handle on this and fixing it and, and getting to a place where we're actually better at this? Well, he's already kind of given us insight and you got to go back to chapter 1. Because this is not the first time that James starts painting a picture of the power of our mouths. Remember when he said this? Go back to James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What if our entire culture just tried to live that? <laughs> Much, how much would it change everything? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Like, that's the new goal. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, again, every time I read this verse, I'm like, how do I listen quick? <laughs> like, right, I understand, like, listening intently, listening, and in, 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 but, like, how do we listen quick? And, and all that I can come down to is, like, let your first instinct. When you engage other people, let the first thing you desire to do is listen and not speak. Like, like your, your first instinct becomes, I'm going to listen before I speak. And I'm not good at that. I've told you before. I'm having conversations, and a lot of times in my life, I'm thinking, I wish you'd shut up so I can talk. Don't judge me. Y'all do too. Or, you know, you're like, if you'll be quiet, I'll tell you what you need to do. And I know I had not heard all the story yet. I know I don't know all the details, I know I think I know everything, and, and if I would actually listen to you, I'd actually be able to formulate a really intelligent response, but be quiet. And James is saying, like, if you really want to be able to speak words of value, you need to be a lot quicker to listen than you are to speak. That means, you know what? And you know what, I'll even intentionally try to do this, try to ignore those first few instincts to talk. You know, when you're, you, when you, when you're in that space, and somebody's talking, and that, that urge and you begins to well up to start talking, you just need to go. Maybe not just the first time or the second time, maybe the fifth time and the tenth time, and actually absorb what they're saying so that when it does come time for you to respond, you have something valuable to say. Just think, what if we were quick to listen and slow to speak, quick to understand and slow to respond, quick to hear and slow to say, quick to read and think and slow to post. Like how how different would things be? But ultimately the reality is before what comes out of your mouth is ever gonna change, what's in your heart has to change. Because see, James remembers something that his brother said, that what comes out of the mouth is ultimately a reflection of what is in the heart. That what comes out of the mouth is ultimately a reflection of what is in the heart. And if you're ever going to change what comes out of your mouth, you have to change what is in your heart. And I know there's times where like, we like, I didn't mean to say that. You might regret saying it, but there's something in you that wanted that to come out. It's a revealer. It's a reflection of an emotion or something. Like, it's, it, like you just can't deny it. Like when it, whatever comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what is in your heart on some level and some degree and some form. Remember, he had, he had heard Jesus say this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That what comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what's in the heart. And if you want to begin to change what's coming out of here, you got to allow God to begin to change what's in here. And essentially, you do know, like, a lot of people think that James kind of shifts subjects in chapter three at some point and I just disagree I think he's talking on the same line because you read go down to verse 13 James three thirteen it says who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom verse 14 but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts if there's envy and bitterness and selfish ambition, if that's what's in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Because see, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That like, like this is not going to change when there's bitterness and envy and selfish ambition and all this. When, 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 when you are broken in here, you will berate people out here. What causes a man to belittle his wife is because inside he is small and insecure and he wants to bring her down to his level. It's a heart issue. It's a brokenness in here that will cause somebody to speak those words. That our words reveal much more about us than they do the one that we're speaking them to. And it's interesting that Paul essentially says the same thing Connected to that verse, he talks about speaking to build people up. Look go back to chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 31. Paul reminds us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. See, like this stuff, like if you're ever going to be able to speak in a way that is uplifting and life-giving and building up, like you got to purge all this stuff out of your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. you got to get secure in who you are and whose you are, and you got to allow God to get this junk out of you, or you'll keep talking to people like that. Nothing's ever going to change out here until something changes in here. James 3.16. Again, look at, look at how it continues to say it. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. See, when these things are present, the result will be a speech that belittles and berates. But... The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Like that's the kind of speech that comes out of the mouth of a heart surrendered to God. That if you're going to change what comes out of here, you got to let God change what's in here. So I've been praying for three specific things in my own life to help me fix this because I want to be better with my words. Number one, I've been praying for an awareness. Like, like, help me to be aware, God, of the time, of the situation, of what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say, when I can kid, when I can't kid, when the sarcasm needs to go back in the pocket. Like, just to be aware God, just help me have like this supernatural awareness so that I can read these situations. I don't say something that's going to hurt somebody because like very rarely anymore with what God's been doing in my life is my intention to say something negative, but, but I still do it. So God, just give me like this situational awareness. Help me to be aware of what I'm speaking, of what I'm saying and how I'm being perceived. And the third thing that I've been praying for is God, just give me a boldness. To say, to boldly encourage people, to boldly speak life, to go out of my way, to boldly have spiritual conversations. Because that's what it requires. See, you know what I discovered about me? I can have a spiritual conversation with any of y'all and any stranger at any moment. Doesn't make me uncomfortable, doesn't bother me at all. A stranger can walk up to me on the street, I can have a spiritual conversation, I can talk about Jesus, but to have a spiritual conversation with my wife makes me uncomfortable at times have a spiritual conversation with my kids is a bit more challenging so God give me a boldness to push past the comfort and speak what needs to be spoken and another thing I've been praying is God help me to have forgiveness help me to know where to go ask forgiveness from when I need to say forgive me I didn't mean to say that or I said that and it hurt you and I'm sorry And to forgive the people that are saying things to me or about me that maybe isn't the best because it happens. Words have weight. I don't want to tell this story again, but I got to. (laughs) I'm not going to cry this time. See, I have a moment in my life Where I use my words as a weapon. And I still struggle just to get over it. But part of me hopes I never get over it. Because God uses it to remind me of the weight of my words. Those of y'all who don't know my story, I was I was adopted. I don't know much about my biological parents. I never really needed to know that because giving birth to you does not make you a parent. (laughs) But I was I was chosen by my parents. Yours got stuck with you. Um, There it is again. But my parents are the the most amazing, godly, Christ-like people you'll ever meet. And they taught me about Jesus. And, you know, my parents were so good at communicating with me. I I never remember having the conversation about the fact that I was adopted, but I don't ever remember not knowing. That's how well they did with me and raising me and teaching me to know Jesus and all the right things. But then there was, there was a time I was, I was 17. I was 17. 17. Y'all know the kind of 17 I'm talking about? The kind of 17 that thinks you know everything when you really don't know anything? And my dad was trying to speak things into me and correct me and say things that I needed to hear. And there was this one moment and we're, we're going at it. And I'd had enough. And I wanted him to just be quiet. So I looked at him. This man who had loved me my whole life. Given me everything. And I looked at him and I said, you can't tell me what to do because you're not my real father anyway. And I will never forget the look on his face. it just stopped him in his tracks and the look on his face is imprinted in my brain because I saw so clearly what words can do the wounds they can inflict and there's a part of me that hopes I never lose that because it serves as a reminder that words have weight your words have Somebody's words in your life had weight and they have wounded you and you still haven't healed and you're living in the shadows of that statement. You're, you're living in the shadows of somebody else's sentence for far too long. So would you just bow your heads, close your eyes with me? And I want us to spend some time in prayer. To the people in the room who are wounded. Can tonight be the night where you start stepping towards healing? because here's the reality yeah those ones who wounded you they can ask for forgiveness but the one who hurt you can't completely heal you only god can do that and maybe you just need to crawl up into the lap of your heavenly father and allow him to heal a deep rooted wound that was the result of somebody else's words and if that's you and just would you just come down and pray Or maybe you're the one who uses words as a weapon and you just know that you need to do better and things need to change. I just want to, can we just spend some time in prayer? Can I just say this platform is open. You can come and you can kneel or you can stand or you can do whatever you need to do and you can come for whatever reason that you need to come and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, but just come on and start making your way to the front and just spend some time in prayer. Come on. Let God begin to heal the wounds. Let God begin to give you that awareness. Let God begin to give you that boldness. Let God begin to do whatever God needs to do, wants to do in your life in order to bring healing and hope. I know you can do it from where you are, but there's something courageous about just standing up and coming out of your seat. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or if anybody else is watching you, that you need to just come and pray and seek God and allow him to do something in your spirit. Who else needs to come? Come on. Maybe you're healing from the wounds of another, words of another. Maybe you're healing from the wounds of your own self-inflicted words. Maybe, again, you're the wounder. You're the one using words as a weapon. Something needs to change tonight. Come on. maybe you feel led to come put a hand on somebody and pray over them, it doesn't matter if you know them or not, but you're a prayer warrior and you're good at it and you can come and you can pray don't let anybody be down here alone, prayer warriors would you come and begin to lay hands on somebody that's gathered around this platform and just pray over them trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide your words there's other people in the room that need to be down here, I'm sorry, but there just is would you just have the courage to come Maybe you're not even praying for yourself, but you know of, of a situation where it's toxic and words are bad and things are happening, and you just need to pray. Can we just, can we just pray? Come on. Yesterday in both gatherings, the Spirit was moving like He is now. And one of the things that we just have decided we're going to do is just let Him have His way. And so tonight, once again, we're just going to cut the last song we had planned to do and we're just going to leave some space for people to pray. So in just a second, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and you're going to be dismissed. And I'm going to ask you just after I pray, If you want to stay in the room, you can stay right where you are. You can stay in that seat. You can pray and you can talk to God for as long as you need to. Or if you're ready to go, you can just quietly and reverently head out. But we're just going to let God work. So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, you'll be dismissed. But if you need to stay and pray, if you still need to come down here, if you need to just talk to somebody. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would just continue to work that your spirit would continue to heal. God, I know there are people that are down here and the wounds are deep and they're difficult and the things they're going through are harder than we can understand. And God, I pray that you would just start to bring a measure of healing. God, I also know there are people in this room riddled with guilt and shame from the words that they've used. And the target of those words had been people that didn't deserve it, that should have never been said, but it was. And now they're dealing with their own guilt and shame and trying to figure out a way forward. And God, I pray that you would bring healing there and just start to bring restoration where it needs to be, God. And I, God, I pray for the people who just aren't being honest with themselves or with you. And I, God, I pray that you would just... Keep working, keep showing yourself, and keep being present. God, this is your space. Continue to work in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're ready to go, you can just quietly and reverently begin to exit the room. Those of you who need to stay, we just invite you to remain in the room. Pray as long as you need to pray.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.